0: morning we're going to uh, kind of reconnect with where we left last week with the gospel. I uh, just spent about a week in Colorado Springs. This is an annual missions meeting. It's called the MLM. It's Missions Leadership Meeting, I think is what it's called. Um, Normally I go there and basically you're working night and day with different teams, different people from all over the world. And and so I come back really kind of exhausted. Something a little bit different on this trip. We still work night and day. We still worked with people all over the world. But this time, I got a powerful amount of ministry. Amen. And, uh, you know, there is, there is nothing that makes the world better than encountering Jesus in a way that just changes you. And, <clears throat> you know... Uh, and there's often not a place for pastors to do that readily. And, and that's not true that I can't find ministry here. I do. Uh, but I just wanted to share that, you know, it was, it was real life-giving for me. I'm going to share a few stories uh, about the trip uh, that were just really powerful. We're meeting with people of God uh, from all over the world that are really a part of the vineyard. And this message is a place for the gospel in our religious And philosophical reality. Now, last week I shared with you that, you know, we can look at the world, we can look over history, and we see something is terribly wrong with mankind. Back through history, you can't find a place where people don't see genocide as a way to make the world a better place. If we can just wipe out that group of people right there, or if we can wipe out this group of people, because they've always been mean to us, they've always been ugly, Uh, they're they're blue collar, they're whatever you wanna call them, Uh, they're Wall Street greedy people, you can pick your label, and very often many of the people here, your heritage and your history, somewhere along the way, people wanted to exterminate you to make a better world. And over the years we have developed really sophisticated societies If you look at the internet system, the road system, uh, all the systems of the United States, how sophisticated we are as a city, how we can move enormous amounts of food or water or oil or gas. We can reroute rivers. We can send things to space. We are highly educated compared to history. We, We have a social network. We know how to clothe ourselves, and and we can drive fancy cars. And now we have cars that do 250 miles an hour. But there's something terribly wrong with man that's the same as it was 2,000 years ago. And with all the things we figured out, we have not figured out how to fix man. And that's kind of where we had it last week. And we looked at what Jesus, when he comes on the scene, him and his followers, he said, they did not come to introduce a new religious system or adopt a new type of morality or a new philosophy or a theory about the world or how it works or how we could know things or how we should behave. They didn't come selling any of that. See how that's very different than the construct we're used to. And then very boldly, The Bible and Jesus declare what I'm calling the first declaration. It's not really the first declaration, but it's the first in my list. A declaration that mankind has a problem and that mankind will not be able to fix it. Mankind does not have the capacity to fix that problem. And then it goes on to boldly declare what that problem is, and God calls it sin, which is separation from God separation from his glory, and you realize that when we are separated from God, we also separate from the very thing that gives us our identity, and we become lost. Romans 1.23, we read that last week. We've all sinned, we all have this separation, and we fall short of that expression of who God is and who we were created to be. The second declaration is the solution that Jesus and the Bible declare and that God will provide a way for mankind to be restored in relationship with God. God himself will come and fix that separation. He will do what mankind has no ability whatsoever to do. We read that. It says by, by faith we receive this gift of righteousness. This, this gift of the elimination of separation in Jesus. Uh, that's in Romans 1:22. We pick it up through 24. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ... And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God's standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He comes to us, and He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty, from the result, from the consequences of our sin. The third declaration the Bible gives us is God's motive. Jesus and the Bible declare that God was motivated by love. Many are familiar with 3.16 and 17 of John. For God so loved the world, but so loved the people, all of them, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When we we shared this last week and we talked about this, the dilemma for us to get our arms around the true message of the gospel, and one way I kind of brought the gospel down to a very basic message is I kind of shouted out, you know, if you were in a cafe, a, a pub, a bar, wherever, and, and somebody came in shouting, God is walking with man! God is walking with man! Most of us would go, what? What's that about? What's going on? We, we might want to get up and check that out. What does that look like exactly? I found it interesting that after shouting that a few times, we have, how old is Wyatt? Wyatt, how old is he? We have a four-year-old who was in the nursery, and uh, we do have a speaker over there, but his father texted me Sunday night and said, uh, Wyatt was sitting at the table during dinner, and all of a starts, sudden starts shouting, God is walking with man, God is walking with man, and he kept shouting it at the table. I tell you, he's a prophet, don't you think? Yes. And Nathan makes a comment. I don't know that he knows what it means completely yet, but he knows to be excited about it. (laughs) God is walking with man. It's the craziest thing. God crossed the line. You see, religions are about us crossing the line. Religions are about us figuring out what we're going to have to do to please God and work and trudge and crawl and beg our way across that line. And God says, you will not make it. I will come to you. Stop. Stop it. Because every time you attempt the line, you create a religion. To try to get you there. You try to create a moral code. You try to create something that's going to make you a better person. It's what we do. It's the thing we can get our arms around. It's why we can't get our arms around forgiving people who are not sorry. It's why we can't get our arms around people who do commit genocide. It's why we can't get our arms around people with really incredibly terrible and tragic Behavior, and God says to us when I say I'm going to cross the line for humanity and that no one can make it to me I'm having to do the same thing for you that I'm doing for the person who committed genocide I'm having to address their sin. I'm going to have to address what separates us. Now we're just talking quantity. He has to forgive me for a thousand sins. He has to forgive you for 500 sins and somebody else uh, 3 million sins. But he says all of them make it impossible to be together. One. So he levels it out and he says everybody is welcome everybody is called and he says if I don't sit here and I don't make those judgments about people that want me to come to them I'm not going to let you do it either. All have sinned. <clears throat> you see, <clears throat> it introduces the unthinkable. What Jesus introduces is not a new moral code, not a new way of being right, not a new religious system. What Jesus came to introduce was a relationship with the Father because that's what was broken. He, come, he came to say, God is walking with man. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What amazing words. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's what he came to introduce. He sent his son To restore that relationship. Our churches struggle with religion. We struggle with religion. Atheists struggle with religion. Everybody struggles with religion. It's a man condition. It's a woman condition. It's where we set a, 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 a group of standards. A set of rules. A moral code. And we begin to judge ourselves by it. And in so doing we convict ourselves. And many of you struggle with guilt and shame that is brought on by your standards. And we also invoke that on other people around us when they lie to us, when they deceive us, when they manipulate us, when they use us. And our standard judges them as guilty. We see them in a light that is not welcoming as the Father steps across the line to those people because he says, They need me to cross the line. Just like you need me to cross the line. We have an example of this by our brothers and sisters in Galatia. They are what I would call a pretty typical church. Um, And Galatia is normally considered kind of a region of churches that were Gentile churches. But you see, the Galatians had come into a powerful relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. They had accepted the power of Jesus Christ. They had experienced, many of them, the power of the Holy Spirit. There had been people that had been healed, people that had been touched, people that had been restored. But you see, people said, now you have to keep the rules too. And so they began to embrace these rules as a part of making that faith complete. Do you hear the problem? We have just taken relationship and we have set a religion on top of it. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved and you must do these things for that salvation to be complete. But that's not what the father did. The father crossed the line. And he came to man because man couldn't come to him. So we see our brothers and sisters, and I'm just saying, they struggle with a typical condition as we struggle with. And Paul has some challenging questions for them. Starting in Galatians chapter 3, we're going to pick up verse 2. He says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did you receive the Spirit of God, the actual presence of God inside you? Was that introduced into you by following the rules? Were you good at the rules that day and you punched in? You got it. You know, that day you managed to not do this, not do this, and bang, the Spirit jumped in you. You said, whoa, I got it. High-fiving yourself. Finally, it's like two years. I've been trying to get the Spirit. He says, Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You believed the message that said, God is walking with man and he's here to walk with you. They believed it. And it's in that moment, in that moment, The Spirit came in, not because of something they did, not because of something they owned or they had done or they were going to do. It had to do with they accepted the personal gift of the Father and they accepted it and they walked with God. It's too simple, isn't it? I mean, there has to be some rule somewhere, right? There has to be some obedience to code somewhere. But the Father says, walk with me. Walk with me. He goes on. Paul's a little rough on him. How foolish can you be? Are you starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, this can be the trick for the church. Somebody comes in and they, you know, they, they accept Christ, and now we either want them to clean up immediately or we want them to clean up before they accept Christ. You know, we had a a guy in here uh, years ago, uh, a friend of somebody who's with us today. And uh, he came in, uh, he had this really incredible time here a couple of times with Jesus. And he came in one Sunday morning and he said, I have a testimony. I said, Tell me. He said, I was really angry. And I had thrown out all my pot, I was really angry, and I wanted to to smoke a joint. And he said, I always kept, you know, like an emergency joint, uh, and I couldn't find it. And I was looking everywhere for it, and God showed me where it was. Uh -oh. (laughs) Oh, man, nice testimony. I was like, okay, really? the guy that brought him to church is right over here. <laughs> but I had him go on. That was, not the end. that was not the end. I said, well, tell me about this. He said, see, when the law stops me, what I always do is they always search me. And what I do is I put it in the palm of my hand and I just do this. And they search me and they don't find my joint." And he said, then I knew what God was saying, that the joint was in the palm of God's hand. And then I was satisfied, and I didn't want it anymore. I said, great testimony. Come on up here. We're in all kinds of places when we say yes to God. We have all kinds of testimonies that are real. You know, when God walks with man, God does not expect it to be a good, clean experience. We're really pretty scary on the inside. But God, in his love, walks with man. And at least one time, I believe with all my heart, he held somebody's joint in his palm <laughs> and made them feel better and back in control because the one they walked with was with him, understood him, felt him, knew him. So Paul is challenging, how do you you engage something so powerful and and something you start that's impossible for you to do, how do you think you're going to possibly finish it in your own strength, your own will, with your rules? How is that going to work? How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? Down to verse 5. I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obeyed the rules? Is that why he did it? It was because you believed the message you heard about Christ, that he came so you and the Father could walk together in relationship again. Now the cool thing about this is God begins to restore this, and he meets us where we are, and he takes all the rules, and he says, don't worry about rules. Walk with me. Keep it simple. Walk with me. Will that create some guidelines of life? It will. Will there be like a way the Father is in his character, who he is, that when you walk with him, you're going to be taking on some of those things. You're going to be challenged by some of those things. That's true. But he doesn't use guilt and condemnation to get you to be like him. How he does it, he says, walk with me. See who I am, experience me. And that will change you from the inside out. And this, as it begins, here's the first thing that God does with these. He says, all right, now the things you're doing with me, the things you have received from me, the things you have experienced through no condemnation, no guilt, and all of a sudden, the creator of the universe, the perfect one, is willing to walk with you. Just like you are. He says, now I want you to take that crazy reality that you can't quite get your arms around. I want you to take that, and I want you to do that exact same thing with the imperfect people around you. You see, now we get to practice giving that reality, not just receiving that reality. Oh, it's very different. You know, when you're the weak link, you know, you're kind of you and God, you're kind of the weak link on the team. He's Superman, he's Spider Man, he's all those kinds of things. And you're, you know, oh, save me. You know, and he gets you from the train, from the building, he's constantly pulling you out of something. And then you realize he's wanting you to put on the cloak, the S on your chest. He's wanting you to do this too. And he makes it possible for man to walk with man without judging him, without killing him, without abusing him, without taking advantage of him. You know, God is saying, hey, all the drama in your life, throw it out. It's all rule based, all of it. It's all rule based. Look at your life. You have a lot of drama, you got a lot of rules. Drama, rules. No rules, no drama. If I look at it and say, you know what, you lied to me. I'm never going to forgive you for that. You lied to me. I have this rule. I don't want people to lie to me. And I also have a punishment system I'm going to use against you because you lied to me. And now there's one more person in the world I can't stand. To go with these others, I can't stand. Over here are the ones that can't stand me. And God says, all that goes away because we walk together. Through Jesus, God is restoring relationships between all humanity. In James chapter 5, I think it is, starting with verse 13, he says, Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. This affects everybody. Are you sick? Call the church leaders and have them pray and anoint you with oil in the name of, of the master of Jesus. Believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you have sinned, I want you to hear this you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Starting in verse 16, and in some contexts, in some translations, they'll use that connecting word, therefore. So since this is true, therefore, make this your common practice. What? Confess your sins to one another. You see, that is not a comfortable practice in our world. That's not a comfortable practice. I'm going to tell you my weaknesses where I'm broken and messed up. I'm going to share that with people. But if I do, then you'll know those things about me. And that will give you power over me. And I don't want you to have power over me. I'd rather have power over you. And the way I can have power over you is I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to be more pure than you. I'm going to be more holy than you. Or at least I can look that way, right? And then at least you will think, I am more powerful than you. And as long as I can get you to think that way, I don't really have to be that way, right? Hear the drama and all that? That's just nuts. But that's what we do. That is the way a religious system operates. You see, we thrive on inequality. We thrive on it. But when we are vulnerable, this last week, uh, one of our main speakers, somebody I know quite well, somebody I have amazing respect for, someone who is very successful as a leader, as a pastor, he's leading us in ministry, he's teaching, he speaks with authority, he is uh, admired by all. In fact, the person who introduced him, who is a leader in the vineyard, said, you know, if I had another life to live, I would want to be like this man right here. That was this day. The following day, we have this ministry time going on, and I'm over, you know, getting ministry, and I hear this blood-curdling noise. And, you know, I, I I was going to say, I looked over there. Everybody looked over there. And there he is. And he's got a trash can in front of him. And these demonic noises are coming out. And he's like this, puking in the trash can. Very different look, isn't it? You have to be really transparent and trusting God if you're going to get that kind of ministry in front of people who respect you and admire you. You see, it made me admire him more. I was talking to him the next day, and uh, I said I really appreciate your leadership, especially last night. He said, you mean when they were casting the demon out of me? I said, that's exactly it right there. Because you see, there's a place for you in the lineup of God. Then I got a shot. That's leadership. So this man teaches me how to be strong and how to be authoritative and how to love my city. And he models values of Jesus. And I see his ability to repent. Be cleansed by God. Restored and healed. And he's not ashamed of either one. You see I can, I can follow him. I got a shot. To follow him. Yes, it says, so confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other, for each of you, so that you can live together. You can live together, whole and healed. You can walk together, man with man. And then it becomes God and man and man, and it begins to look like the people of God, the kingdom of God and they are all people that are committed to the authority of Jesus the power of Jesus that's probably not god doing that so we're still here if it is god let us know we become a kingdom community the kingdom community are people who are responding different to injustice to unfairness to violence To anger, to hunger, to homelessness, to all these things, we respond differently. Why? Because we know that we are here to walk with man in the power of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation has come, the old has gone the new is here. Those are powerful words. God is walking with man. It's new. It's different. Yesterday, I I flew for the first time. I flew Spirit Airlines. I'd never even heard of them a week ago, but they had a really cheap ticket Uh, coming back from Denver. And, uh, you know, checking in uh, was a real hassle. And I felt like they were trying to you know, fool me into paying them more money at like four or five times. It was complicated going through this thing. Here's my opinion of this airline, like this, it's going down. Then I get on this airplane and, you know, it's like the lowest end of low, you know. You got this, you know, naugahide seat about this thick and these little arms that kind of look, they're going to break off that, you know, the seat's about this wide. And I have short legs and my legs were too long for these seats This lady sitting next to me, we're all kind of like this, you know, sitting there. I'm thinking, I I really hate this airline, you know. And they come through. You can have water, coffee, beer, whatever. Everything costs money. You get a cup of water, it costs you money. They're coming through there. They never stopped once that I saw. Nobody wanted anything. They just went down back. Okay, that service is finished. If you want to take a bag, that's $35. That's a carry-on bag. The ticket was cheap, <laughs> which is why I was there. It was just a little bit more than the cost of flying the bag. I was on the airplane, okay? Still, I'm not pleased. Still, I am judgmental. I am, I am, you know, like this, sitting in my seat. You know, my posterior's gone to sleep, and I'm like this, you know, and I'm like, I don't like this airline. I want to fly on a real airline. Then the lady comes in and she says, hey, you should buy our credit card. You should get our credit card. If you do, you get enough miles when you get this card to make three round-trip tickets, three round-trips, anywhere they go, in U.S., Central America, and South America. All of a sudden, I'm interested. (laughs) And then if you you take it today, you'll get another 2,500 miles, which adds like two more round-trips. Now I'm very interested. So I call the lady over there. I got one for myself and Melinda. I've never done one of those credit card things. I think they're a rip-off. I'm going through the fine print a little bit here. and I'm thinking, I love this airline. <laughs> this is great. We're going to wind up with like 10 round trip tickets for free. No blackouts, anything like that. I'm going, woohoo! let's fly Spirit. You know, I'll take a pillow for my backside and... Uh, you see, I could be in a restaurant with burnt coffee, bad food, bad company, it's noisy and it's hot. But when somebody steps in and says, God is walking with man, when somebody asks me what happened at the restaurant today, I would not even remember the coffee or the temperature or the company, I would remember it was the moment that I found out God was here walking with man. You see, it changes reality, and it replaces philosophies, and it replaces religion. And we have to fight to replace religion. The church struggles with this, Because we feel like somewhere there has to be rules. And there are rules. But these are not rules that govern whether I can walk with God. And these are not ways for people to judge whether I do walk with God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God. All of it. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you memorized some verses. It wasn't because you told the truth. It's because God is here. It's from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He reconciled. He brought us back together. He crossed the line. And he brought us together to stay. He reconciled. He put us back together like this. And the scripture says that that relationship is without condemnation and it's without fear. Have you ever, any of you, you know, just when you're struggling with sin, unbelief, anybody ever been afraid? You do something, you go, oh, man, I'm, I'm worried. I mean, did God ditch me on this one? You know, have I lost my salvation? Was my salvation ever true? I couldn't have done that and still been saved. Those can't go together. You hear what that is? That's a religion. That's what that is. It is a self-disqualification, a self-condemnation that comes from a paradigm or a construct of rules. And Jesus says, what I save is saved. Paul says, no one can pluck me from the hands of the Father. It talks about there's no power on earth or below the earth or above the earth or in the earth. From the past, the present future, demons, whatever, that have the power to separate me from the love of God. I can't even do that with my stupidity and my arrogance. That's why they call it good news. It's kind of like, okay, okay. If you're working to follow him, you really can't screw this up. He reconciles us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Man walks with man, it was always his intention. You see, the gospel is very personal. It's very personal. And the moment it's real, God begins to open you up to be the gospel all around you. It's still personal. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who? All those who were reconciled. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the service call. Are you called? Well, right here it says you're called. And we think of a call as a burning bush, put on the cloth, whatever the collar, whatever it is in your head. Now, Bill has to be more holy than me. I can't handle it. That's too much pressure. I wasn't called. I I wasn't ever called to do this. I don't remember that. I mean, for the fourth Four years I was full time. I said, I'm a pilot just doing pastor stuff. I just hadn't gotten around to getting back to flying yet. It's been like 28 years. Because I'm busy in the ministry of reconciliation. And I love this business. You know, I was in, we had about 225, 230 people there in this room. And they're talking about the gospel. And I'm looking around the room because I'm getting excited as they're talking. I mean, my, my chest is feeling it. And I'm looking around the room and there are people that are tears in their eyes. There are people like on the edge of their seat. Some of these people have been in the ministry 50 years. Some are young, some of them are old. But what I saw kind of in common in the room is everybody was impacted by somebody talking about this good news. I thought, I get it. It never gets old. I mean, if I were going to talk about anything other than my wife and flying, this would take number one. That's the gospel. It's exciting. And I just saw the room, the energy in the room about the gospel. It never gets old. Because every day I have to lay down rules where I condemn myself. I see where I am not who I want to be. Every day I have to lay those down and I choose the gift of God. It says I'm safe and I'm secure and I'm accepted and I'm loved. And he does not look at me in the same lens that I look at myself. He's not stupid. He's not ignorant. It's a choice he is making with me and you. He does not look at your flaws. He does not look at your failures. He does not look at your history and say, wow, you're a you're a special kid, you know. You're slow. You're I don't know if you're gonna make it. I mean, a couple more decisions like that, I I have to draw a line somewhere. I can't just let you mock the gospel. And that's not true. We mocked the gospel before the gospel was here. We mocked mocked the salvation and love of God before it was here. He sent it into the mocking environment. And you know what? People still don't accept it. But he does not withdraw it. Because he loves you and me. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That was God reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's wrongs or sins against them. Not holding the effects and the consequences of separation against them. He sets them free. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Just like Wyatt, we can start shouting, God is walking with man. And it's the best news there can be. Continuing on in this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ. That makes you the man and you the woman. We have that message. You might be a rough package. So was the guy looking for the joint. But you know what? The room liked his message. You see, there was room for them. If he can walk with God, I got a shot. I believe God told him to bring that message. I believe he walks with God. That's what I believe. We had an old guy he used to stand at that counter. He's passed away. And he came in with a testimony. He was a little bit rough. He was like a four time prison guy with a, a difficult past. But he was faithful. He was here every Sunday. You stand behind that counter and try to get him to sit down. He said, You know, I lived my whole life in a bar. I feel really more comfortable over there. I said, Well, enjoy yourself right over there. He did, right over there. And he couldn't read or write. But he walked with Jesus. We were at a leaders meeting up here one time. We were over on the other side. We're meeting. He walks in. And he mows our grass. You have to just appreciate this. He's a little rough. He's out mowing our grass. He's out there on this little ride and Moore borrowed. He's got a cigarette in his hand, a beer in his hand. He's driving along mowing the church grass, you know. He was figuring out his walk with Jesus. And I remember when he came in, walked in, didn't really say anything to us, and we had a cross standing in that corner. And he went down over and he laid down face first to worship Jesus in front of that cross because Jesus had provided for him a new vehicle. And that was a witness. To all of us, of walking with the Father. His language was a little bit colorful sometimes, and so he wanted to give a testimony to the church. I said, "Okay, Eddie, we we love that. Think through it a little bit on the front end. Don't get too excited in the middle, so we can cut some of the words out that you know might be less receivable by some of the crowd here." He smiled, no teeth. And he did a great job on his testimony. You see, God was showing him that man can walk with man. And for us, who might have, because I, I had some kind of, you know, some people in the church said, I'm just not comfortable around him. I said, well, I think he's pretty safe. He's walking with God. So maybe that's something God is working on you with. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. How does that make you feel? God is making his appeal through you and me. You are the established voice, face, and hands of the Father walking into a pub, walking into a restaurant, walking into a car dealership, your school, your home. See, we carry that. Is God reckless to give us that? Well, in our real world, he is. You're going to use him? That's not going to work well, God. I know him. He will not shine for you in this moment. And God could look at me and say, Bill, do you want to talk about all the times you did not shine very well for me in a particular moment? I paid the price for you. And I'm paying the price for him. We are his ambassadors. So he says, we implore you on, be, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin for us, uh, no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God when we choose to walk with God. We begin the journey. They have a fancy word for it. I'm not going to spoil the moment with it. But basically, we get better at it. He begins to knock off some of those rough edges. He's not doing that to qualify you. Do you understand that? He's not doing that to make you acceptable for heaven. He's not doing that because you look really bad in church. He's not doing that for any performance issue. He is doing it because it is called healing for you. Because it sets you free from religion and from the things that have been built up in your life. He's doing it for you. The world benefits from it. But the recipient of his working in your life, taking off the rough edges, is you. And God working in my life, it's me. So you see, it's not about guilt or condemnation or I don't measure up. It's about, Bill, you are going to feel so much better when you're not doing that anymore. And if I can get past being accused of being a liar or a thief or whatever it is in that moment that I feel from God, then I can say, I would love to not have that in my life anymore. You could stand. Stand.